across the world, real estate agents are underachieving. They're missing out on millions of dollars in commissions. My name is Pat Hyben, and in the past 27 years, I've sold over 6,000 homes, selling over a billion dollars in real estate volume. My plan is to interview agents from across the world and help all agents create their destiny. Happy Wednesday, Rockstar Nation. It is hump day, man. Keep humping through the week. Get some listings and close some deals, everybody. Market is hot, man. Seems like a lot of places I'm talking to, a lot of people I'm talking to, a lot of rock stars I'm talking to are suffering from seller's markets. So that's a, a good thing that I had Amy Storer on the phone that you're going to hear today because she's, uh, in addition to talking about Snapshot Business Plan, her new venture with Linda McLean, we're talking all about seller's markets and what to do with seller's markets and some really good stuff. Friday, I got John Sterling, incredible guy, opening up office in London, England, and throughout the U.S., and, and, and just a, basically an expert at how to open offices and how to create teams and expansion teams and you know a lot of people are talking about expansion teams nowadays and, and i kind of liken it to when buyer agency first came out when people were starting to hire buyer agents and everybody wanted to get on the buyer agent bandwagon and didn't know what the hell they were doing so i think it's important that we talk about it and and find out what exactly is working and what is not we're going to talk about the three things never to do with an expansion team so if you're all thinking about hey i'm gonna do an expansion team you gotta listen to friday's uh, episode with john sterling i came up with a new question that i'm gonna start asking instead of gci i'm gonna call it eci ego commission income because it burns me up when I talk to people and I'm like, what's your GCI? And they're like, oh, 800,000, 1.2 million. And I'm like, what's your net profit? And they give me some bullshit cliche like all of my profits are going back into the business. Or all the money Pat is, is being spent on marketing this year. We're, we're gearing up for next year. I mean, basically, you don't have a GCI. You have an ECI, an ego commission income. And, you know, I got to catch up with an old friend of mine, Pat Wadham, been in business 33 years, right? And we were talking and we were talking about, yeah, really, what is the net? The net is not even what is on your tax return. There's a whole nother deeper net below the tax return, right? Because you can make a a 40%, let's say, profit on your tax return. And then let's say you made a million bucks and you spent 60%. So your GCI, your ECI was a million dollars. You were the top agent in your office. You made 400 Gs. That's that's honorable. I think that's great if you have a team, especially. But then you spent 200 grand on on shoes and new car and you know building a, an addition on your house or, or whatever, right? And then after all that, and you pay your taxes, you got a thousand bucks left. You know that's terrible in and of itself because you haven't saved any money. So I came up with LTI. LTI is left to invest. Uh, my buddy Tim Rode came up with the concept of left to invest. And Pat and I were talking about this. It was like left to really, 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 if you really want to get to the net, it's not the tax return. It's what is left to invest. 
What is left so you can invest it in real estate? What is left so you can invest it in stock market or just save it? Invest it in cash. Invest it in gold. Invest it in something. So I'm going to start asking people so you guys will know what LTI and ECI are. Anyway, so John Sterling was great. Next week, man, we got some bombastic ones. I got David Serzak basically uh, has a degree in real estate and then he's got a master's in construction. So, and I ask him on the show, I'm like, dude, having a master's degree and an undergraduate degree in real estate and construction, did this enable you to make more money selling homes? And that, that was a great episode. And then I got Brett Kepler on. He's from uh, Marion, Indiana. Owns his own company. Got like a teamerage. Killing it out there. And then Alyssa Jenkins. Uh, started out at 22 years old. Like me, I started at 21. One of the top 30 under 30s. And some people are like, hey, Pat, why do you have top 30 under 30s on here? You know, they're just young kids. I'm like, hey, you know, here's the thing. They're, they're doing something right. And a lot of these guys are doing smarter things than the novices that have, that have been out there for years. Um, they just are. And I, I think they're great. There's some great ideas to listen to. Any 30 under 30, I think everybody should listen to. Thank you to everybody for the new comments on iTunes. Remember that if you comment on iTunes with a five-star review, it helps me a lot because people will want to come on the show knowing that I have all these reviews, will want to, you know, it's easier for me to get really good guests. If, if I ask somebody to come on and they look and I only have five reviews and they figure no one's re listening to it, they're not going to go on the show. But if, if they see, you know, I got 100 plus reviews, five stars, whatever, it helps. So I'm trying to get up to 200 and, and it also helps me show up uh, in the iTunes rating. So please do me a solid. Go on, rate me, uh, give me five stars and I'll read your review online. One guy recently, Bill J., Daring and Rye. Sounds like, well, I don't know what it sounds like. Uh, what I love about this podcast is the way Pat interviews real estate rock stars who have been at the pinnacle of success, but have also seen the crushing blow of defeat. Thanks for sharing how we can recover from major disaster and succeed in real estate. You're welcome. Christine. Three E's. Really, a respectable person. I guess she's talking about me. Really a respectable person. Listen to my mind. Like, really? No, it's really a respectable person and so informative and helpful. I learned so much. Great insight from Eric Milwaukee. Amazing information that has definitely changed my business mindset. I highly recommend this podcast. Anyways, guys, awesome. Thank you all for that. Let's jump in with Amy. Amy is a great guest. Amy and I have known each other for a long time in her whole life has been dedicated to real estate uh, pretty much her adult life working life uh, she was howard brinton's right-hand woman from star power for decades and now she's with linda mclean uh, who's also been in the real estate game for decades and so it's always extremely topical to catch up with amy so you're gonna love this episode i'll see you guys on friday Okay, Rockstar Nation, we have a great returning guest, Amy Stir from McLean International Real Estate Coaching and Coaching Products is on the line. And man, 
Amy is rocking it. They're companies at an all-time high helping agents. And we're going to talk about what agents need today and what her solutions are for them. So grab your papers and pencils. We're going to do a lot of meat and potatoes of free coaching today. So without further ado, Amy, welcome back to Pat Hyman Interviews Real Estate Rockstars. <laughs> I feel like a rock star after that introduction. It's great to be back. Thanks for having me. So um, why don't you give everybody a little background on you, Amy, in case they didn't hear when you were on the show before and so they can get to know you a little bit better today. Absolutely. So I started out in real estate in 1992. I was blessed to be connected with the top producer straight out of the shoot in the business, Kathy Russell, who's in West Lafayette, Indiana. Props to Kathy. And it didn't take any time at all, but I joined her team. And in our peak year, 1995, um, my last full year with her, we did 236 transactions for $25 million. And that was 1995, so over 200 back then was a, like a super big deal. <laughs> uh, she introduced me to Howard Brinton, who many of your listeners may remember as one of the top trainers in the industry. And I ended up going to work with him in 96 and spent 12 years with Star Power Systems, his company, uh, developing programs, launching a coaching program, and putting on conferences. And then in 2008, started my own coaching and consulting business. And uh, Linda McLean, who's the founder of McLean International, and I have known each other for 20-some-odd years through Star Power and decided a few years ago that we'd team up. And uh, it, we're still on the honeymoon. It's been three years of bliss. Wow. Wow. So let's get into some nitty-gritty. So where do you think agents are struggling today? Well, for most markets, I'll say most, not every market, most markets, um, people are dealing with an inventory shortage. Let's call it a crisis. There are no real crises in real estate. Um, an inventory shortage. And what typically goes hand in hand with that and is a larger issue and affects everybody regardless of market is um, excuses versus ownership of what's going on. So the okay, two kind of so, go so, hand in yeah. hand. So let's talk about that. Okay, number one, inventory shortage. We all understand that. It's uh, it's becoming where it is. And it's funny because I'm having trouble getting agents to admit this definition. But don't you agree that in many markets, it's a seller's market? No question. Okay. Vast majority. There are only pockets um, where that's not the case right now. Okay. So we got that straight. So it's a seller's market, and you're saying uh, agents are refusing to take ownership of it. Okay, so teach us how to take ownership of a seller's market. Well, Pat, you remember when the bubble happened, <laughs> when the bubble burst, mm. and, and it was the exact opposite, and everybody was kind of curled up in the fetal yeah. position and Nobody wanted to sell. Nobody. Well, a lot of people wanted to sell, but you know, nobody wanted to buy. Right. Um, so yeah, it, it sucked. It was terrible. So now you have people. You know, here's this wonderful reversal of fortune. Everybody said, "Oh, if I could just have another seller's market, I'll never complain again." If I could just get my equity back, and then boom, uh -huh. for, the, for, the, for the people that hung in there, didn't panic. Right. Okay. Here's your here's your equity back. Okay, so now what? So here it is. And so now we've got people, 
curled up in the corner of their office in the fetal position sucking their thumbs because I've got all these buyers and there's no inventory and I can't find anything and I hate this market and I wish it would calm down. So the ownership piece is, listen, the real estate market is cyclical. Yes. And there are going to be times when it's a seller's market. There are going to be times when it's a buyer's market. There are going to be times when it's normalized. Are you going to adapt? Okay. So how do we adapt? So right now, if you're in an inventory deprived market, you've got to look at people are still going to sell. How do you make sure that you're the one who's top of mind and in front of them when they make that decision? There, there are a lot of ways you should be doing that. First of all, you need to look at how you're taking care of the people who already know you. And I am still, Pat, just blown away by how many people don't have a regular system of follow-up in place for their past clients and customers. So what are you doing? How often are you in front of those people? In what way are you in front of them? Are you providing value? Those are all questions you should be asking yourself. Because a listing now is more valuable than a listing was a year ago or three uh -huh. years ago. Uh -huh. So if it's more valuable in the marketplace, then you should be willing to pay more for it. And the way you pay more for it is to spend more time and money, um, you know, attempting to get it, right? Your easiest business is that database. And we walk our clients through this all the time. Give them an exquisite level of care be consistently and frequently in front of them and you will be the person whether it's them transacting or someone they know transacting you need to be at the front of their mind for real estate wow so this is great i got an a message private message on facebook the other day and actually i was going to do it on my show as a monologue beforehand but i'm going to let you answer this question i had an agent ask me she wanted to know, and I'm paraphrasing, at what point do you decide not to be so firm on price in an extreme seller's market and just let the seller pick the price knowing that, you know, the house is going to sell or not knowing exactly what the house is going to sell for because every single comp sells for a little bit more. Can you address that? Absolutely. Uh, I, I think you've got to really, this is where knowing your market pays off. You've got to understand at what rate the the properties have been climbing. So you could take it five or ten percent over if your market's climbing at ten to fifteen percent. Uh if your market's climbing at you know, I was just um up in Toronto and in some instances they're experiencing ten percent growth in a quarter. So you've got to look at that and say, is what they're asking reasonable if they come in and they want to go 25% over market and you're having a, an I mean, increment 20, yeah 25% is obnoxious obviously they're they're not motivated at that they're not really motivated to sell they're just greedy but exactly but but I think the fear out there is that you know they go and let's take a house for 350,000 and you go in you know it's 350 and you know you're the first of three agents uh, you got two more agents uh, coming. Uh, oldest trick in the book, obviously, if you're not the first agent, is to be like, "Oh, okay, I'm I'm very confident at 355," and then of course the third guy, I'm very confident at 360. What is the script we can use to, you know, to be very confident, but also don't lose a listing because of a, you know, one percent difference that the next agent uh, plants in their mind? 
Well, I, I think there are multiple things you've got to address. This is about educating your seller. And it's always about educating your seller when you're taking listings. So showing them what's been happening in the market, being willing to go to whatever percentage it is where you still have a comfort zone, you can be successful with that person, educating them about bidding wars because you're in a much better position to come in a little under what people will pay and get in a bidding war where that may actually push the price over what you would have gotten rather than come in high and then have people walk away or be frustrated and make no offer. So that's part of the equation. And then also putting a safety net in place for yourself where if you're on the market 30 days and you don't get an offer at whatever price they took, they're going to agree to an adjustment to where you've already determined the, the property's probably going to sell. Hmm. And it's establishing, establishing yourself as knowledgeable and confident and um, successful with the results to show. And that's how you compete against other agents who will quote unquote come in and buy the listing. Yeah. Yeah. Don't that's great. Any price. That's great. One, one of the things I saw recently, uh, I sat down with Jeff Cohn and we filmed a video of him giving me his listing listing presentation. And he did something called my road and your road. And he did, he wrote out my road and your road on a piece of paper. And he wrote down his road price range, let's say, 340 to 360 and then he wrote your road and then he asked them what do you think where do you want to price it what is your thought and then they said you know 360 to 380 and he wrote down 360 to 380 he said okay either of these is acceptable my road your road i just want to have it written down so you know in the future if we come back to this because it doesn't sell you can say you know, I can say, well, see, this was my recommendation to begin with. And you can say, well, this is my, you know, I told you so if, if you win. And then he has them uh, sign it and, you know, gives them the listing paperwork to sign. So his goal is obviously to get it signed and not find out later from another agent if their road is going to work. He lets them know up front, my road, your road. Here, we've agreed that we both have different roads, but we've also agreed that that's okay. Sign this piece of paper with these two roads written out on them and then sign the listing paperwork. And it, it, it works. Well, it's genius. We do it in a buyer's market. Why wouldn't we do it in a seller's market? The numbers are just swinging the other direction. What, so, what, what do you mean by that? How do we do it in a buyer's market? Well, we all seem so confident in a buyer's market to come in and say, look, I understand you want to put it here. Let's not get caught chasing the market down. Let's go ahead and agree to this price reduction now if it hasn't sold in 30 days because we know it needs to be lower. You're taking a, a, a listing at a price you already know is probably going to be too high. Why not flip it and say, okay, here's where the market is. It could go for higher. I'd like to stay in this range. You want to test it higher than that, so let's go ahead and test it. And same thing. Let's go ahead and sign the, the price adjustment now so that we can act quickly and not get stagnant. Hmm. So what's your opinion on the longevity of said seller's market today? When do you think we'll start seeing equilibrium? When do you start seeing a buyer's market? Do you have a prediction? Well, if you watch the bigger, the, the higher end market, when it starts to slow, it's, it's kind of indicating that there, there may be adjustment down the road into the more normal price range. So um, you're already seeing this 
oil-driven industries, Louisiana, Calgary, Alberta, that they had a scare um, the last six months where things got really flat. And oil prices have, have kind of um, leveled off and normalized, and they're starting to recover. So looking at economics, looking at what's happening in the luxury market, we probably have in, in the average markets a good another year and a half of a really healthy market. But listen, we've got some big things coming on the horizon, one of which is a presidential election in the United States. Um, all sorts of crazy things can happen. So you've got to be prepared to be nimble regardless of the market. Yeah. So you mentioned a luxury market. Uh, are you seeing a slowdown there? Yeah. In several markets, um, you know, and it's all relative, right? So luxury in my market might be very different from luxury in Manhattan, for example. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, the sub five millions on the Upper West Side of New York are still selling like hotcakes and the, the five and ups aren't. Um, you can't find a five million dollar property in my market. So the the over a millions are very stagnant. And if you've got a $350,000 house in, in suburbia, Colorado, it's gone before you blink. So, well, you, you got, got first, yeah, you got, you got, a, you got the first time buyers you've got, which the low interest rates tends to, you know, help massively. You got, uh -huh. you got the cash and, and there's still, you know, a ton of cash out there. You know, there's, there's I'm amazed, quite frankly, at how much cash is going around. You know, you, you look in our market where properties aren't appraising um, and people are bringing cash to the table to make up the difference because they're desperate to have a house. And in amounts that you wouldn't think most the average American doesn't have sitting around, they're figuring out where to get it. Well, so. that's the thing. They're figuring out where to get it. I don't know. I'm not convinced that all this cash is sitting in a a money market account. You know what I mean? I, I, right. I think that a lot of it is there's a lot of loans out there now that are, whether it be commercial loans or just consumer credit loans where people are able to access cash and call it cash. And of course there's, I think there's a lot of equity for sale right now. You yes. know, I heard, I heard a, a statistic average seller is 67. The average buyer is 37. What does that tell you? <laughs> 67 and 37 those are interesting numbers to know if your average seller is 67 they're making decisions based on lifestyle they're they're not going to have the same urgency that somebody at, at a younger age would have um, buyers at 37 means you know people are realizing that real estate is a good investment and they're getting in so I think real estate's always been the best investment we have access to. And you're looking you're looking at equity positions and a lot of people, younger people don't have the retirement <laughs> plans yeah, that are yeah. waiting for them that a 67-year-old is probably on a pension. Um, you know, some people are making more money retired than they were making when they were working. So and it's probably a great time I think for someone sure. 67 to sell that primary that that is paid off. You know oh, what I yeah. mean? Uh, take that money out of the game and put it in a money market. Um, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, it is interesting, the whole cash thing. And, and uh, I guess it's all relative. I think it's got to be all relative to the equity that people have in their houses and their rental properties and things like that. Yep. 
So let's talk. Let's talk a little bit about business planning. Let's talk a little bit about the, you know, the snapshot uh, that you're working on now. You, you and I had a conversation before about, you know, how most agents just kind of a business plan at the end of the year, and of course don't uh, look at it again until they have a team advance where they look to see if they met their goals, or look at it again until they have a goal setting session by themselves. And right. you think, you know, it's a huge problem. So let's talk about this. Well, you and I both know, Pat, when you when you ask the average agent if they have a business plan and they say yes, they, they've only done probably two things. They've come up with a transaction number they want to hit, and they've come up with a gross commission income number they want to hit, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, transaction and maybe volume. And gross commissions. Yeah, they, yeah, yes. So, and frankly, there are people not getting that far. Um, I still hear a lot, well, I want to do better than last year, or I'd like to repeat what I did last year, but not work so hard. You know, why are most people yeah. doing? Yeah, repeat what you did, but not work so hard, or do more and not work so hard. I mean, I either want to make more money. Or I want to get some semblance of balance in my life. And what balance really means is I want the freedom to do what I want, when I want, without the pressure of limited time or resources. So that, that equates to, you know, I can't even get to the gym without being worried about the time I'm taking away from my business. Red flag, you've got yeah, a problem. That's, that's a major problem. Um, but but that's what motivates people. And so they get as far as maybe they've had someone help them get to a number. Maybe they've had someone help them get to a point of identifying sales volume and transactions and gross commission income. And then there's the planning part. And this is where a lot of people fall down. So actually breaking those numbers down into specific actions of what needs to be taken. And you're still only a fraction of the way through the whole process. Um, you know, when we take people through snapshot business planning, we're having them look at 12 different facets of the business. We're, we're helping them get a whole picture of everything that needs to be in place. You know, from the success that you've built, you don't get to those bigger numbers without an incredible team in place. Okay. And so, so let's get to the nitty gritty on that. You said there's 12 and, uh, most people think there's two number of units and GCI, what, what are the other 10 or what are the 12 if, if you're not even using those two? Well, you know what? We could spend a full hour just talking about this. So I'm going to try to break it down into just the, the key pieces. Yes. Okay. You know, in front of the whole business plan, you have the clarity of vision of what you want for yourself in your future. So a lot of people haven't even taken that step. Why are you working? What are you doing this for? What's it going to get you? Um, you know, most people in real estate don't have any sort of a succession plan, but when you ask them the question, do you want to do real estate for the rest of your life? Most people will say, well, no, hell no. Right. <laughs> right. But they do. Right. Because they can't get out. Right. They make too much. Yeah. And then they try to go. If they were to try to go do something else, they're unemployable. I mean, a 23 year old kids around run around circles around most 75-year-old, uh, even 45-year-old real estate agents for half the right. price. Right. So, if, if you know, <laughs> Linda always says, if you don't know, if you don't, well, it was the Scarecrow and the Wizard of Oz, probably the first place I heard it. 
where are you headed? I don't know. Well, then any road will get you there. Yeah, yeah. So, so and okay. And so it's giving, you know, the first part of the process, first three parts of the, the, the 12 um, facets are that vision, your core values, you know, getting really clear on why am I doing this? What's, what's my end game? What is this all for? Um, and that raises a big question that most people are very afraid to look at. And that is what's my purpose here on earth? So that's, that's all well and good, but I mean, how is it? I, I think what you're trying to say is this, that you have to write down, okay, I want to have 10 properties that are paid off. They pay me horizontal income uh, every month. And I want to have a million dollars in the bank in order to get there. This is what I got to do, right? Is, is that what you're saying to yeah. do rather than simply GCI or number of units? Exactly. Uh, are we going to be short-term focused and just say this year I want to do this? Or are we going to be long-term focused and say, you know, uh, 10 years from now, I want to be uh, leading groups of people on adventures around the world where they do self-development. And I'm going to have enough money to do that. And yeah, here's exactly. how I'm going to get enough money to do that. But then even beyond that, you get into the numbers. Everybody gets into the numbers. And then, okay, so what? And let me give you a micro example of just one piece. You know, we don't have the time to go deep into all facets. So let's just, let's talk about even this numbers piece. Someone will say to me, I want to do 100 transactions next year. Let's just pick a round number. Okay. okay. How many of those are going to be sellers and how many are buyers? Right. Well, I don't know. Okay, so let's say we figure that out. Let's 50 They say 50-50 is what they're going to say, but it really should probably be, you know, 60-40, 60% listings, as, you know, or, or well, more. Well, you know, it just depends on how you build the business model, right? Well, um, yeah, it every, depends, I guess. But then, you know, of course, the more buyers you get, the, the, the more app you're not going to be able to go to the gym. <laughs> well, again, the, so now you're getting to, into another facet, which is team growth and development. People don't think about that. But let's take a step back. So you're 50 sellers, 50 buyers. Where are those 50 sellers going to come from? How many are coming from your past clients and customers and the referrals and repeat business you get there? How many are coming from new business? Okay, in the area of new business, what areas of new business are you going to work? Are you going to count on them to come from your website, which has no SEO? Are you going to look to get them from open houses? Are you going to farm expired listings? Breaking that down and then taking it a step further. Okay, if I want eight transactions next year from expires what's that campaign going to look like or i'm going to start geographic farming okay let's talk about what makes sense for geographic farm it's it's the next step and then the step after that and then the step after that to knock it down to i'll take it here's a great example okay do you call your past clients and customers on a regular basis just to check in Pat Hyben, no, I don't do that, but but I I can understand if you're asking somebody and they're gonna say, uh, they're gonna him and haw and they're probably the answer behind the answer is no. Uh, so the the truth um, behind the excuse is no. Most people don't, and why? They don't know what to say. It's too many people. It's, it's uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable. It's time consuming. Okay, so let's say you have 500 people. You're gonna call them once a quarter. Let's do it in 10 weeks because then you can take three weeks off and go get the balance that, that you talked about wanting. 500 people in 10 weeks is 50 people a week. If you do it five days a week, it's 10 people a day. 10 people a day is manageable. 500 feels overwhelming. 
it's breaking it down to the ridiculous. So, so you, what you, you really need to do is break it down to the ridiculous and then put in a, a, some sort of system in place, i.e. a coach or a peer partner or somebody that's going to yell at you and be like, you didn't do your 10 today. Right. right. I mean, you need you need a, a trainer or, or something, you you need some sort of scaffolding that you can put exactly. up on this building and eventually take it off when when the habit is formed. But for a while, you need some scaffolding to hold that building in place. Yeah. And that's just one piece of the puzzle. So you, we go back to those 12 facets. Right. You've got to look at every area of your business and what's getting in the way of you being more productive, what's working and what's not working. People don't take the time to ask those questions. You know, even in your physical office setup, there are things that may be getting in your way of being more productive. Um, maybe you have a team member who has to go wait in line at, at the copier um, to make copies. I, uh, you know, as technology advances, that's less of an issue, but it, it's a tiny little example that illustrates a bigger point. If you don't look at each aspect of your business and ask, how can I do this better? you're not going to get to the next level. You're mm -hmm. not going to experience that improvement. And most people are are just happy with the status quo. If I can just do a little bit better than I did before, I'll be okay. And yet the nagging concerns and complaints that you and I both hear over and over and over again don't go away until you do the examination. Yeah. I, I love it. I love I love that the scarecrow analogy and everything. If you got it, you got to know where you're going to go and when you're going to go, because the typical North American agent, uh, just the more they make, the more they spend and the more they do. And there's no fear of the market changing again. There, there really isn't a fear of the market changing. And so in your opinion, other than what you've already said today, what is something that, that you think that agents unequivocally need to do now? And if they don't, they're going to be totally screwed in two years from now. <laughs> uh, well, one thing I'm going to say is, is absolutely a repeat of what I already said, and it can't be said enough. Take care of the people who already know you. Regardless of market, they are your bread and butter. That's number one. Number two, take care of yourself because too many people right now are running at such a frenetic pace that they're putting off their own self-care and that will manifest in a variety of really horrible ways if something doesn't change. Yeah, yeah, profound. And, and the thing is that, you know, that is another thing that I think obviously that you've just pointed out is not only do typical agents feel <laughs> – that you know the the market will last forever and their income will last forever and their units will continue to go up every single year they also believe that their health will last forever and you know you know we've had obviously mutual friends that have you know gotten sick died had issues i'm going to say the scary words pat let's get it out there cancer suicide nervous breakdown these things happen they're real and if you don't do something different now, it's going to sneak up on you. None of, none of those people we know, Pat, um, really saw it coming. <laughs> yeah, you're right. They all, when we saw them and, you know, the last, they all thought, God, you know, now that you say those words, I keep thinking of more people that we both know that, 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 yep. that committed suicide, that, you know, died of cancer. So I think, in my opinion, 
you know, probably, you let me know if you think this statistic is accurate or not, but wouldn't you say that probably six out of 10 doctors, seven out of 10 doctors would say that a lot of those things are stress related, certainly suicide, right? If you were, if you were chilling in bliss all the time, <laughs> you wouldn't off yourself. What, I mean, t- talk to me about that a little bit. How, how much is the stress that we put on ourselves related to the ailments that could end up cutting us short? Well, at the risk of being a little airy-fairy, I believe that the vast majority of that is manifested by dis-ease in our bodies is an outward manestation of the inward, inward stress and turmoil. So Wow, say that again. Say that again. Yeah, that's great. Say it again. 90% of dis-ease is an outward manifestation of inner turmoil and stress. Mm. Outward manifestation of inner turmoil and stress. Get that down, guys. There are hundreds of studies. You can lose yourself in the Google, as we like to say in my house, um, over stories of that. And there are equal number of inspiring and uplifting stories of people who have worked first on changing their thinking and were able to change their life in a very tangible way physical manifested way Mm. how give me give me some tips here's a great example i met this lady um through bob proctor's matrix program um she developed rheumatoid rheumatoid arthritis in her early 20s found herself quickly debilitated and confined to a wheelchair and after a few years of this decided this was not going to be her reality and so she's she first of all started working on her mental image of who she was. Um, they told her she would never walk again. She said that that's not my reality. And she went and found the surgeons and the support team to replace both of her knees, both of her hips. And she's walking around today. Wow. I love it. I love it. I love it. Well, I mean, we we have covered some some varied things here. Yeah, but, that was a pretty weird <laughs> swing, didn't it? <laughs> but I, you know, here's the thing. You know, you offered some definite, uh, actionable content. You offered a lot of really honest and candid thoughts that, you know, I think that uh, anybody listening to this is going to benefit from. You know, is going to uh, is going to stop and think about, and I think could quite potentially change everything about their business and everything about their health and and how they live and how the rest of their life turns out. So thank you for that. So if anybody wants to get a hold of Amy, first off, I'm going to put all her information in the show notes on hybendigital.com. But is there anything else, any last words or or places people can reach out to you, Amy? Well, you've often asked me to just to crystallize everything and summarize it, you know, I just want to say this, Pat, change your thinking, make a decision, and then get organized to move forward with action. If people would just take that little formula, um, that's that's what we build our whole coaching practice around is is that attitude. That's perfect. Perfect. Well summed up. Well, Amy, thanks so much for coming on the show again and you know, I definitely, we definitely need to get together and 
uh, yeah, break some bread in the future. Something. Let's go climb something. There you go. Thanks, Pat. Thanks so much, guys, for listening to Pat Hyben interviews real estate rock stars. Please don't forget that if you go to hybendigital.com, we have tons and tons of resources that you could use for free to help you make more commissions selling real estate. Every episode is on there, over 350, and there's a search bar that you could just type in the name of the episode, the number of the episode, or any category or keyword that you want, like FISBOs, expireds, expansion teams, buyer agents, whatever, and episodes will come up that match that. Another thing you could really help me out with is you can go to iTunes and give me a five-star review there. The more reviews I get, the higher in the rankings I climb, and the better guests I'll be able to get for your listening pleasure. Thanks again so much for listening. And don't forget, every episode, write down two or three things and put them to work. Make them part of your goal setting and make it happen. I'd love to hear from you. Please reach out. We're on Twitter, at Pat Hyben. We're on Instagram, Real Estate Rockstar Podcast. And we're all over Facebook on Six Steps to Seven Figures and Pat Hyben Interviews Real Estate Rockstars. And don't forget, if you want to hear more of me, my awesome book that is a New York Times bestseller, Six Steps to Seven Figures, is now out on audio. Just go to audible.com, type in Pat Hyben or Six Steps to Seven Figures, and you can listen to it. And of course, the paperback and ebooks are also available now at excellent prices. Have a great day, and don't forget, Rockstar Nation, keep rocking! You guys have heard me talk a lot about this program that I'm creating and I basically met with eight of the world's top listing agents and recorded their candid no holds barred interviews with sellers and what they say to a seller, what they don't say to a seller, how they get a listing. We've broken it down into six chapters. It's about 12 hours of video and uh, we're going to be selling it as a course. But up until then, up until the point that it's ready, offering 30 minutes of it that you could watch for free and kind of beta test for me. Tell me what you like about it, what you don't like about it. So if you want to beta test this and you want to check out some of it for free, the section I'm giving away free is on touching and rapport building. I know that sounds odd, but each of the agents I talked to had ideas of where to touch, like don't touch a guy on his hands uh, unless it's a handshake and stuff like that. And there's also a bunch of stuff on rapport building, you know, like what to say and how to find commonality and just all kinds of neat stuff. So if you want to watch that, you get it for free, go to hybendigital.com backslash rebus, hybendigital.com backslash R-E-B-U-S and you'll get a free copy of that and let me know what you think of it. Thanks. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.